the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Or Salem Media Group. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning, Mark. This is our um, Christmas New Year's show. Right. So if you may be hearing this on the Saturday before Christmas, or you may be listening to this the Saturday before New Year's. Mm-hmm. So while you're listening, um, we're home with our celebrating with our families. Hopefully, you're celebrating everything with your families, mm-hmm. and everything is going well. And we're playing, you know, I don't know, are we going to have a white Christmas, Carol? I hope so. I I always love a white Christmas. As long as the roads are good. You know, is this, a, can I play this Christmas carol? I would think so. Well, you know, with all the hype about the Christmas carols, you know. The, yeah, I the, know. All right. Anyways, you're listening to Mark Daly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 33 years. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon, Carrie, I can say. 34. 34 years. And we do it one family, one plan at a time. Um, you know you know who wrote the song, Carrie? No, I do not. Okay. It wasn't Elvis. I, I don't think. Okay. I didn't think it was. It was Irvin Berlin. Okay. Okay. And actually, Irvin, you know, lived a long time. I think he was born about 1988. He lived to like 101. Okay, you mean 19 or 1888? 1888. You said 19. I was oh, I'm like, sorry, 1888. I was like, he's young. No, 1888. <laughs> he lived beyond 19. So, and Frank, he lived so long that he started losing the rights to his music. Well, that stinks. Well, it really it made him. <laughs> it, yeah, he was really upset about that. Um, you know, and. You know, because he lives so long. And actually... And how many artists have done this song over the years? I mean, I'm listening to Christmas music in the car all the time this time of year, and there's so many. There's country artists. There's old artists. There's new hip-hop artists. Here's a quick list, okay? Um, The most famous names in the 20th century, popular music. Bing Crosby, Louis Armstrong, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, Nat King Cole, Charlie Parker, Fats Domino, Elvis, Aretha Franklin, The Beach Boys, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, The Supremes, The Temptations, The Four Tops, The Jackson Five, Willie Nelson, Bob Dylan, Barbara Streisand, Bob Marley, um, and that's just to name a few. I was going to say, there's the new artists are doing. I even heard some hip-hop and rap artists do some... 
White um, Christmas. Yeah, it's it's a hugely <laughs> successful song. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's one of the top selling and most widely recorded songs. Um, and but what I was saying is, um, he really did not want Elvis to do it. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm and I'm I'm. I you still know, like Bing Crosby's or, you or know, Frank Sinatra's version. Carrie, you know, a lot of times, you know, Carrie, you know I like to read a little bit. Right? right. So a lot of times I pick a book for the season. Okay. So my Christmas book this year was a book written by Jody Rosen called White Christmas, The Story of an American Song. Okay. And it's a fascinating book. You know, it's um, Simon & Schuster, 2002 copyright. You know, it's a quick read. It's under 200 pages. Okay. It's a patron. It's just, and it just goes Really into the whole background of, you know, because Irvin Berlin was Jewish, of course, and he, he immigrated with his family. And there's a whole immigration story behind it and how, huh. you know, and the Jewish music here, that was like the first pop music of America. Okay. You know, so this, know. you know, this song, the original song, that would be considered like today the gangster pop. That's hilarious. Okay. Because it was so different than what other music was being you know, right. made in America. Um. But anyways, you know, he, he was um, one of his most, you know, Irving, one of the most poignant battles um, was to stop Elvis from being able to record the song. Okay. Um, he, you know, the, the, the writer says the songwriter launched a fierce and fruitless campaign to ban Elvis Presley's recording of the tune. But how much money could he make off of it? It's uh, not like he was rewriting it. He's just... Adding his Elvis style to it, right? And and you know, and that's what Berlin was so protective of. That was probably of. very uh, controversial. Um, so so well, we'll talk a little bit more about the the creation of White Christmas. Um, and you know, in today's headlines, is this too racist? Oh, give to me be a playing? break! Well, I think all these people have too ahead. much time on their hands. They're ruining good Christmas music or the Christmas TV shows or for what they are. People have too much time on their hands. Anyway, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10, and we'll continue the program into 2019. I wanted to, um, Mark mentioned about the estate planning team as sponsors this radio program, um, and we've been almost 34 years. We've been helping people around the greater Cleveland area. We are known for comprehensive customized, coordinated financial plans for what you think of as traditional financial planner numbers crunchers that build realistic, conservative, long-term projections um, and run these different scenarios so that people have clarity on what they can spend, when they can afford to retire, how to create income as ca- uh, tax efficiently as possible, using the opportunities and making sure that you're addressing potential financial disruptors and understanding how those disruptors affect the longevity of your plan. And certainly people are concerned about market instability, rising health care costs, well, infl- this is here. inflation, we, we, we market. Don't, we, we don't have a government shutdown. Right? We have no wall. Uh, the right? Fed raised rates. Um, the stock market vigilantes went crazy because right? they the Fed still raised rates and said they're still going to raise it twice more. Uh, do we have to talk about that today? I don't it's know. Christmas. I, did you see the headline this week that said, um, the Grinch hits Wall Street right before Christmas? <laughs> Yeah, we need a Santa Claus rally. Right. And um, 
we offer a free consultation for people who want to come in and see how our process is different, how we can help, like our plans, our fee structures customized. Um, we'll only recommend our services if you can benefit from, from the type of planning that we offer. And we can do consultations by phone or in person. And um, also wanted to mention we have planning classes coming up in January, which is right around the corner that you're more than welcome to register for now. Seating is limited. They're at our home offices in, Mid- in Middleburg Heights in the same building. We have a conference center in the in the lower level. Um, we have January 16th at 3 o'clock is the IRA and Roth planning class. And IRAs, we mean IRAs, company plans, annuities, or similar tax qualified assets. And there's still a lot of confusion on rules when it comes to these assets. Um, people make costly mistakes. Um, we're going to talk about strategies to minimize the tax impact both during your lifetime and at passage. Um, we're going to talk about the positives and negatives. Um, how minimum required distribution often creates more tax dollars for the government because there are many people that still aren't clear on the minimum required distribution rules or they wait till they get to minimum required distribution and they've lost a huge opportunity. So if you're, um, but there may be things you can still do. So if you are still are 59 and a half or older or if you're 70 and a half or older and already taking minimums, you want to make sure you come out to this class that's January 16th at three o'clock um, in Middleburg Heights, then January 22nd at six o'clock is our class for retirees and people nearing retirement and getting closer to their future retirement. We're going to talk about issues like spending, when I can afford to retire, or if I'm in retirement, what kind of lifestyle can I have and spending I can do. Addressing those things like rising healthcare costs, inflation, market volatility, taxes, and other things that can impact your financial plan. Another topic in the class we cover is retirement rules that you often hear headlines about. You read about that are often misunderstood and misused and much more. Both classes have a free workbook for all attendees. We do it. It's free, but we do ask that you pre-register it, which you can do online at financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com or call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. And if you're calling the office for the class or consult, leave a message. We will get back to you um, as soon as possible. And if you send an email, we usually reply to those within 48 hours, maybe a little longer with the holidays. Um, but that's financialfoodforthought.com or 440 2090. Mark, I know when you talked about um, rising healthcare costs, when and we were talking before the show started, I, I saw an article this week that said some something needs to be done about prescription costs. Oh, a Captain Obvious article. I was like, no kidding. Yeah, you know that there's more, you know, coming out. Trump wants to try to put a control on healthcare. I mean, people keep throwing money at healthcare, but nobody's really stepping back and trying to control the cost, which would solve some of the problems. Right. It's it's not whether uh, the Affordable Health Care Act or it, it's the the insurance battle that everybody's dealing with. It's you, you know the having a mandatory requirement or fees if you don't have it's it's no one's doing about the cost right which will drive i would think a lot maybe the more affordable health care or maybe come up with a better solution if you get a handle on health care cost 
somehow because sometimes it doesn't make right. There's no consistency. And, and even when um, I've talked about stories before where generics have changed just because the, it's been a generic for years and people go and it's quadrupled or 10 times the cost because the manufacturer decided to. I've rented that for my kids that they decided to stop producing one. So then I have to go to something else that's comparable and that thing costs 10 times more. So I yeah, don't know. And, and that's it, a racket too. Right. And, and, you know, when we started building custom financial plans for our clients, you know, more than 30 years ago, we, you know, was it, when originally Carrie, we were working with the greatest generation, right? The, the, the depression kids who, by the time they came to see us, you know, there was, was a much different retirement, right? You mm-hmm. know, they didn't have to worry about, um, healthcare costs as much. A lot of them retired with pensions. A lot of them retired with uh, lifetime health care benefits from their employer, you know, which um, was huge. And they didn't see this huge rise in the health care costs, you know, the out of pocket costs, the prescription drug costs. They didn't, you know, see a huge rise in uh, their Medicare B premiums, things like that. So it wasn't an issue to them. But then when we started working with their children, you know, the baby boomers going into retirement, we realized that a lot of the baby boomers were going into retirement and they hadn't really even budgeted in a, an amount for health care in retirement. And when we, and, you know, when we asked them, I said, well, you know, you didn't give us, you didn't fill in this little section here saying about what, you know, what you're planning for, uh, health insurance premiums, retirement. And, 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 the, and remember in the beginning, Carrie, it was like, well, we thought it was free. We we're just going to go on Medicare. And it's like, and we were like shocked and we we're like, well, do you understand that Medicare is not free? And they're like, oh, it's not. Well, I think, you know, 20 years later, most people go into base, but most baby boomers know now that when they're going to retirement, their, their Medicare isn't going to be free, right? Right. Well, but, so once in a while. But still, how many of them have gotten a good written, you know, conservative, realistic budget, you know, for health care? And, and, you know, if you've never seen one of those budgets, come into one of our consultations. So let's see, what else do we, so this is our kind of our year-end show. I want to thank everyone, all the listeners throughout the year, and hopefully you'll uh, listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, you know, we've been doing the show a long, long time, and, and you know, th- and we also thank everyone who's starting to listen to the podcast, you know. Right, we're, we're you can getting, go to WHK Radio and listen to previous programs. Right, you can just, you know, click on the local programming or the local podcast, and you'll find our time slot, you know, Saturday mornings. At 9 a.m. And then they've got a good collection. They probably got about 10 maybe podcast and, and they'll continue. And so you can listen anytime if you're busy, especially, you know, sometimes Saturday mornings, we know how it can get busy. So what else do we talk about at year end? Well, we have the words of the year, Carrie. Words of the year. Hmm. Yeah. Marion Webster's, right? Remember, right? Okay. Uh, the, their word of the year is justice. Okay. That's kind of, you know, um, I didn't like the words this year, Carrie. I was like, I, th- I figured it'd be divisiveness. Um. Well, the dictionary um, word of the year is misinformation. Okay. So kind of like, I guess, fake news. Right. Um, Oxford's, uh, they um, released their word of the year, toxic. I, I guess like in toxic masculinity. Oh, I, great. Yeah. Some I, of the cl- the colleges are offering that. Um. I, I don't know what a good, is a good word for people who have too much time on their hands and worrying about issues that really aren't major issues. Right. I guess my financial word of the year 
maybe require minimum distributions <laughs> because we still see. Um, I didn't know if your word could be aired. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, we're still a lot of confusion. I found this year, you know, I, I you know, it seems we're, we're laugh. Carrie and I are laughing because, you know, we've been talking about, you know, understanding the required minimum distribution rules, you know, for how many years, Carrie? Over 20. Over 20. And almost like every single show, at least a couple times a month. And, you know, it's shocking to us to see statistics that still say that only 13% of all 65-year-olds who are still working can't identify when required minimum distributions begin. More or less how to plan for them if they don't even know when they begin. Right? So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that today. Well, then they're not really going to think about taking them early. Um but you know, um, oh yeah, and then and the thing, and so, and if you're, and and again, that's a great reason to come to one of our classes, uh, because you know it's a great, uh, the you know the IRA distribution Roth uh, IRA class. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time, you know, going over those rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so volatility is certainly with us, Gary. Right, right. A lot, you know, a lot of people now. You know, we've been talking about for a long time. You know, get ready. You know, we don't know when the next economic downturn is going to come, whether it be a stock market correction or a U.S. recession mm-hmm. or a bear market. Right. Or any other, you know, cash, you know, there were a lot of headwinds, you know, the China trade wars. There was the um, Federal Reserve's rising interest rates. You know, there there was the the longest bull run in market history. There was the idea that the sugar buzz from the tax cuts and jobs and relief act, you know, is starting to wear off. Um, you know, or is it, it something else? I mean, I guess because people don't really know what it is that's causing right. It. So you know, so the, so a lot of people are saying, you know, what do you do? Yeah. In, in other words, um, where you know where how are you supposed to even start a financial plan, or if you're ready to retire, you know, and you know it's you have to kind of you know you have to kind of I guess what I'm saying is you know you, you can't necessarily be worried about catastrophic events that are beyond your control. You, you don't ask your neighbor what they're doing. Right. You don't necessarily do what your parents did. Because they had a different retirement. And it's, well, it's not always people usually want to do an all or nothing thing. Well, what would you do, Mark? Or what do you like? Um, Kara, I like stocks. Okay. Even in the down market? I, I like stocks that pay dividends. I like growth stocks. I like value stocks. I like momentum stocks. I like blue chip stocks. I like international stocks. I like emerging market stocks. I like preferred stocks. I like large cap stocks. I like small cap stocks. Heck, I like mid cap stocks. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not looking for the one stock, right? That's the stock to own. Um, the one that just feels just right. No, I think, you know, it, it's, I like all stocks. Um, now let's see what comp, I like stocks of companies who build things that hurt if I drop them on my feet. Okay. okay. Um, I like to buy stocks low and sell high, Carrie. Okay. That's what I like to do. Um, you know, I like undervalued stocks. You know, I love undervalued stocks from companies who have positive free cash flows. Okay. All right. Besides stocks, Carrie, I like bonds. Okay. I like government bonds. I like corporate bonds. I like tax-free municipal bonds, you know, in a taxable account, right? 
especially if you're in a high tax bracket. I like zero coupon bonds. I like savings bonds. Heck, I like junk bonds. Excuse me, high yield bonds. Okay. Um, call me a waiter, Carrie, because I like tips. You know what tips are? Okay. Treasury inflation protected securities. Like those. Um, I like to build bond ladders. Okay. okay. So you're not locked into a certain maturity. All right. Um, as being an Ohio taxpayer, you know, I loved Ohio tax free muni bonds. Help my state, help my tax mm-hmm. return. All right. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, you know, well, do you buy the, you know, it's not only that I like stocks and bonds, Carrie, I also like those things when they're in mutual funds. Okay. I like equity funds. I like bond funds. I love balance funds. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, besides mutual funds, I like exchange traded funds. Okay. Especially in a taxable account. Right. Um, I like master limited partnerships. I like REITs. You know, a lot of people say, well, is real estate? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, what else besides, um, I like currencies, Carrie. Okay. I like commodities. Okay. I like precious metals. I like silver. I like gold. My wife loves diamonds. Gary, who knew? Um, <laughs> you know what I really like? What? Cash. Okay. Cash is king. Or is cash trash, Gary? I don't know. It depends. Too much, maybe. Um, cash is king. Cash is liquid. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, cash may be the best performing asset this year. You know, who knew? Ouch. Um, can cash help with those emergencies? Absolutely. Cash reserve. How many have we been talking about that? And building, we've done shows on, if you go to the podcast, on building your cash reserve, especially in times of market downturns. All right, Carrie. So do you like cash? I love Who cash. Who doesn't like cash? Does anyone, does anyone complain when grandma <laughs> hands out cash at Christmas, Carrie? I don't think yeah. so. All right. Um, you know, um, I like to, you know, besides cash, I like CDs. Which is a version, I guess, mm-hmm. of cash. Okay. Um, I like With to, the maturity date. Right. I like to build a ladder of CDs. You know, so you're not locked in. Especially in a rising market. interest rate market. Right. right. You know, idea that six month, 12 month, 18 month. So every six months, you've got a CD coming due. If you need to replenish your cash reserve or buy a car, you can. If you don't, you have the opportunity in investing in a longer run ladder and hopefully in a rising interest rate market. Mm-hmm. No, so if, uh, you know, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell says, you know, he raised it, you know, he raised the rates this week and he says, well, he is scaling back a little bit more dovish. He's saying, okay, probably not three raises in 2019, like they've been saying forever. Right. Maybe two. Okay. But that still indicates that the rates are going to go up higher, which indicates that CD rates may be higher a year from now than they are today. Which means you don't want to just jump and put, which we see people coming in, putting 100% in one concept. Right. And so real estate, um, I love, you know, CDs. Um, you know, CDs, of course, have FDA and C insurance. I love that, right? Um, speaking of life insurance, I like that. Okay. Insurance, speaking, I like, you know, secret 770 accounts. Gary, do you like those? Mm-hmm. Um, why do we like life insurance? Because it creates cash when needed, tax-free. That's why. All right. Life insurance has got one of the most powerful tax free wrappers around it. It can be used very creatively. You know, um, I like term policies. I like permanent policies. I like whole life. I like universal life. I like variable policies. I like fixed guaranteed policies. I like fixed equity index policies. I like to buy term and invest the rest, Carrie. I like to maximize the death benefit and irrevocable trust. I like to build cash value that I can tap into tax free before I die. That's right. I like to bank on myself. All right. Okay. Um, I like hybrids. 
Okay. Um, the life insurance, long-term care. Yeah. Okay. You know, you buy, you know, you buy, you know, a lot of people, lot of people are worried about long-term care, uh, long-term care insurance. Uh, it's you know. kind of priced themselves for a lot of right. people out of the market. But, you know. you know, maybe people like the hybrid where you buy, get a guaranteed life insurance and then you got a, like a double indemnity for long-term care. Okay. So if you need long-term care before you die, you got it. If you never need long-term care, at least you're leaving a tax-free benefit to your spouse or your heirs. Okay. Um, did I mention I love the tax-free wraparound life insurance care? Um, Carrie, quick question. In the, how long have we been working together? 22 years. Okay. Have you ever heard a beneficiary of a life insurance policy complain that the death benefit was too large? No. No. I rest my case. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know what, Carrie? What else I like? I like annuities. And you should too, right? Oh, no, that's not, that's not how that <laughs> saying goes, right? Right. What was my buddy Ken Fisher say? I hate annuities and you should too. Right. I, well, I like variable annuities. I like fixed annuities. I like fixed equity index annuities. I like fixed equity index annuities with guaranteed income riders. Um, yeah, I'd like the ability to create my own pension using annuities because I don't got a pension, right? Um, you know, you've heard the concept, Carrie, right? The guaranteed right. income stream that can never outlive. What's wrong with that? Well, it can be depending how much income do you need to never outlive, and do you have the funds to create the income you uh-huh. need? Okay, I mean, it's I, not magic. I like the fact that you can buy annuities in non-qualified status, you know, so get some tax deferral if you're still looking for that. But you know, I also like IRA annuities. You know, I like Roth IRA annuities. As a matter of fact, I love fixed equity index annuities with guaranteed income riders inside Roth IRAs. Because then when I turn on that guaranteed lifetime income, you know, what I'm calling a self-pension, all the income is tax-free. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you know what, Carrie? It's not really important what I like. Right. What's important is what do you like? And what do you need? And chances are there's not one strategy you sh- it's, it's never an all or nothing. And I think too many people look at it that way. Right. You know, and so that's the point. You know, it, it's don't ask your neighbor what they like. Don't ask your parents what they like. Don't ask your coworker what they like. And by the way, if you ask a stock guy, he's going to probably say he likes stocks. If you ask a bond guy, he's going to probably say he likes bonds. If you ask an insurance guy, he's probably going to say he likes life insurance, long-term care hybrids, and annuities. You get the picture? Okay, if you go to your banker, they're going to probably say they like CDs. Or go down the hall and talk to the annuity guy. Right. Um, <laughs> see, what really what I like to do is build custom retirement plans one at a time. Okay, I like the plan to be conservative. I like the plan to be realistic. I'd like to coordinate all the client's advisors, whether it be the stock guy or the insurance guy or the tax guy or the attorney or the banker, okay? Um, Because I think a coordinated plan has a better chance of having success than having a plan that's been created in a vacuum when just looking at one solution for all of it, okay? And what we've also been saying is I also like to run various plan scenarios, not only the best case scenario. Okay. How about the worst case scenario or at least some plan R where you're saying, okay, this is my plan a, but what if Mark just out of the, you know, the blue, what if we have a recession in 2020, are you prepared? 
do you know if that has a substantial long lasting effect to your retirement plan or maybe it doesn't but unfortunately without having a way to measure it people make quick decisions and sometimes shoot themselves in the foot um, there's no good or bad products it's how they're used over what time frame um, and at the estate planning team you know we give people objective unbiased analysis and saying what fits what's good today what's good into the does it match your goals today into the future and what's the the plan at passage and we offer a free consultation for people who want to come in and see how our process is different we're scheduling um, after the first of the year, you can go ahead and get on the calendar. We're scheduling in January and February for free consultations. We can do it by phone or in person. And for people who are still working, we do have some early morning and evening availability, although it's more limited. And you can call it, call for a free consultation. Or if you want to know more about the estate plan, do some due diligence. You can go to our website, financialfoodforthought.com, sign up for the newsletter. You can also call the office at 440-239-2090. You can go to Angie's List. We've won the Super Service Award multiple years or check out uh, the Better Business Bureau ratings and again for a free consultation or to sign up for our January planning classes call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com Ooh, who's singing this one? This voice um, sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. It's someone we lost this year. Okay. okay. Any guesses? No, I'm guessing a couple, but I think I'm going to guess wrong. So I'm Aretha gonna... Franklin. Okay. Yeah, um... I was going to say someone else similar that has a similar, but I'm glad I didn't speak. Well, the so, <laughs> song is so racist. There's certainly a lot of uh, b- b- African performers who have performed. Right. So I guess they're not. But, you know, so... Do you rem- where do, where do you remember the song from? Here? As a kid, like I mean, as do you remember as- the movies? The, which movie it's from? Yeah, no. Okay. So, um, like as a kid, I remember watching all those Rankin Bass movies. Which, by the way, now I guess they're problem Rudolph and the Frosty and the right. Jack Frost. Well, see, I first remember it from the 1954 movie entitled White Christmas. Okay. You know, starring Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, um, and another, Vera Ellen, I think was it. Okay. And it was a great movie. It's one, still one of my favorites. It's, you know, it was one of the first movies in Technicolor, right? Carrie? Right. And, and VistaVision, where, you know, it was the, the big screen and everything. And the song was in that. But actually, the, the White Christmas movie was a remake. Oh, okay. Okay. The, originally, the the song premiered in a movie called Holiday Inn. Okay. In 1942. Okay. Um, also starring Bing Crosby and, of course, the great Fred Astaire. Huh. Okay. And, you know, at that time, that was in a black and white version, obviously. Right. And that was at the time that World War II, you know, was okay. going on. But the sequel, okay, written... A generation later was kind of the aftermath of we of us winning the world the war. war too. Okay, so it's kind of looking, but it was and and now in this, you know, in in the sequel, Fred Astaire turned down the role. He read the script and turned it down. So that opened the door, um, you know, and that's how uh, Danny Kaye actually got the other starring role with Bing Crosby. Um, 
But, you know, the the original movie, you know, it was really Irvin Berlin was just trying to find a vehicle to play the song. When he wrote the song, and he had his various... He, has very, he changed the story all the time about how okay, he wrote um, the song. But he knew he had a hit. Okay. okay. Um, so, you know, he knew that... So he just needed a place to promote it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, and... It, so eventually, you know, it was the movie Holiday Inn. But a lot, if you, I don't know if you could play that movie today, because you know it was, you know, remember Berlin came out of the vaudeville, the ragtime, the yeah. Al Jolson. So actually, in the original movie Holiday Inn, Bing Crosby and the female lead right. perform in blackface. Okay, and but things were different then. Yeah, they were different Times then were See, different. to them, and it was also, you know. The maid was one of the Hollywood's infamous racist stereotypes of the, you know, Aunt Jemima, right. you know, the obese um, Negro maid, right. you know, talking in the southern. Right, but that's, I mean, what represent? Look at our history. I mean, that's just part of history, right? And and they were just copying off because previously Gone with the Wind, right? And remember that the the actress uh, Haiti McDaniel, who oh, she yeah. played, she won an Academy Award for playing her maids role all right so so they just picked up on that theme right but today of course it would consider you know you, you could oh read. yeah um but you know it's but Irvin Berlin has a, has a fascinating story in other words he was um he you know he he came over immigrants you know he was born in war torn you know uh you know his basically a very rough you know, his family finally came over. His his originally his name was Israel Baleen. Okay, um, and then he got the nickname Izzy. Okay, and then what happened was when he first started publishing his songs, he was the first time when he was going to get credited. Um, there was a mistake. Who, who, the person who was writing his name down. He just wrote I because he kind of knew the guy's name was Izzy, but he didn't really know what his first name was. Right. So he didn't want to use Izzy. He just put I, and then he thought he messed up the last name. It wasn't, he didn't put down Berlin. He put down Berlin. So on, like, so on his first credited piece, <laughs> it was I Berlin. And he liked it. Oh, okay. And he never changed it from that time on. Um, and, you know, and now at, at the same time, um, you know, what I meant was it was the beginning of pop music in America. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was the Jewish people who came into New York City, okay, and they all, you know, they wound up, you know, on the, you know, kind of together, right, in the tenement houses and stuff like that, right? And, you know, it was, the, it was considered the Lower East Side, right, of mm-hmm. New York City. Have you heard of Tin Pan Alley? You know, yeah. It was, right. It was Tin Pan Alley. It was these tenement houses, right? Okay. And, you know, and the, um, there was, you know, the Jewish people, they were, the immigrants, the most thing they wanted to do was integrate into America. Okay. They didn't want to be known as Jewish. They wanted to be known as, as Americans. As Americans. Wow. And that was their goal. And so (laughs) the way they said, the way they thought that they could do it was through music. Because in the old country, right, that's how they saw families rise. 
you know, even in, 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 you know, is that if they could, if they could write music right. and perform music, they could, you know, get to the top of their, you know, right. uh, of the food chain. Right? So when they got to America, it was the same thing. So, mm-hmm. that, you know, the Jewish moms, they put a great emphasis on music. Right. And 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 in those days, there was a part of I'm, I'm guessing it might have been a part of their culture and right. know, music's a big part of. And, and to them, owning a piano. Was everything. If you could if you owned a piano, OK, you you had made it. Um, so they would save they would do anything to get their kids in music lessons. Mm-hmm. And if they could get and remember, you, you remember the old films where they were lifting a piano. Right. Up, that's oh, yeah. Tin Pan Alley. Oh, OK. And that was and that was a status yeah, symbol. And, yeah, that was a yeah. status symbol. Because if you saw, oh, that family. Ooh, they have a piano. They made it. And then once you had a piano, you're, you're you know, is, and, and so a matter of fact, the peak years of piano production in the United States was the two decades between 1890 and 1910 coincided exactly with the height of the Jewish migration from Eastern Europe. Huh. OK. Um, so that's what, you know, and they started um, the music and, you know, it was um, it wasn't the idea that it was Jewish music. It was the idea that it was. Um, they were trying to think, no, this is American pop music. I was going to say, this is good music. So, you know, another Oscar Hammerstein, right? Oh, yeah. He was part Tin Pan Alley, right? So he, him and Jerome Kern, they were discussing plans for a musical at one time. This is a great little story that the author gives, right? Um, and it, they were doing a version of uh, Marco Polo. And so the it, what they were talking to the music writer, who happened to be another, you know, uh, Kern, right? Another, you know, Jewish. They're all Jewish, right? They're, they're running the music right. industry, basically. Um, and he said, well, here's the story, Hammerstein said, laid in China about an Italian and told by an Irishman. So what kind of music are you going to write? Well, Kern just replied, it'll be good Jewish music. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so it, and so it became, you know, and of course, Americans loved it. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole part of the ragtime. You know, that was his first, you know, it was the idea of the minstrel about, you know, and, and everybody liked it. And, and, and what, what Berlin was doing, he was, you know, using, um, he was using the Negro, you know, the songs about the home. As a matter of fact, it was all immigrants. See, the, 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 the what, what, what rose in America was the idea of songs about going home. Okay. Okay. It came out of the immigrants. That's why it wasn't in any other country. Because if you were born in Ireland and never left Ireland, you never sang about going home. Okay. If you were born in war torn Europe and never left war torn Europe, you never wrote a song about going home. Okay. It was the immigrants to this country who missed the homeland who started writing the songs about going home. Like I'll be home for Christmas. Um, and, I'm wondering. I'm and, thinking oh, which one. <laughs> and and the, and and, and African Americans. It was more about the old Southern homes. You know, even you know they you know a lot of them in retrospect they missed the the, the plantations, right. not the slavery. I'm not talking right. about that. You're but, just talking about but, the. But, but the, a lot of the songs were about you know going home. Right. And um and as a fact you know so and and Berlin picked up on that. Okay, so you know he actually wrote a song in 1912. Called when the midnight choo choo leaves for Alabama. Hmm. Now, does that ring any bells? No. How about Gladys Knight's famous song? Oh, okay. The midnight train to Georgia. Oh, all right. Um, Berlin wrote it sixty-one years before that. She said, "Wow." 
Um, and that, you know, so it was just a very interesting. All right. Well, you're listening to Financial Food for Thought. You, um, I'm Carrie Waddell. I have Mark Donnelly here with me this morning in our um, Christmas and New Year's um, radio show special. Remember, we have our free planning classes. Hopefully, Mark, I think you're going to talk about required minimum distribution today mm-hmm. a little bit. But we have the class. You won't want to miss these free educational non-sales classes. On January 16th is the IRA and Roth planning class at 3 o'clock in Middleburg Heights. January 22nd at 6 o'clock is our class for retirement planning for 2019 and beyond to address issues like rising health care costs, inflation, market volatility, spending, um, future taxes, using the opportunities, avoiding the traps in the complicated tax code, knowing um, how do you put things together to know when you can afford to retire or if you're in retirement, what kind of spending can you realistically do and dealing with those financial disruptors, retirement rules you should consider breaking and much more. And if you'd like to come to our free classes, make sure you register early. Seating is limited to both events and you can also come in for a free consultation. The consultation is about your questions, concerns, your numbers. We'll do some preliminary analysis and we're actually, if you have IRAs, company plans, or similar assets, we'll show you at the free consultation if you provide us numbers what the impact of minimum required distribution would be if you followed it the government's way and also how much is left in your asset at your life expectancy, which I think you'll be surprised. And once you learn understanding what it is, then you can understand what are the other choices you may have that are out there. And that's 440239. 2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Yeah. So, you know, again, we, there's a lot of misconfusion about required minimum distributions, right? Um, and when they begin and what are the rules about them? And we've been talking about this for a long, long time, right, Carrie? Because mm-hmm. not only, to our clients, you know, we realize our clients are, you know, when they come in to see us for the first time, they have questions or misunderstandings. But also we see the tax court cases, you know, where families are in tax court because they didn't understand the rules, right? Um, so, you know, here we go. It's a very simple rule, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when do they have to begin? You have until April 1st of the year following the calendar year you attain age 70 and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Now it's not April fifteenth, right? So don't fall for that bad, you know, April Fool's April joke. Fool's joke by the government, right? It's by April first of the year following the calendar year you attain age seventy and a half. I think they did that on purpose. Well, a lot of people say, "Why is that, Mark?" And you know what I say? Why? It, don't worry, it's the law. Right. I think it's intentional. You know, again, you know, I've always say I'm not here to defend the logic, <laughs> fairness, or simplicity of our tax code. I don't think you could necessarily always do that. Okay. Now, here's the note. If you do wait until April 1st of the year following the calendar year you attain age 70 and a half, you will have to do a second required minimum distribution by December 31st of that same year. So, in effect, you'll be taking two RMDs in one tax year, and that may be expensive tax-wise. So because of that reason, a lot of our clients don't wait till April 1st of the year following the calendar year they attain age 70 and a half. They take their first RMD in the calendar year they attain age 70 and a half. And then they do the second one in the second year. Okay. 
Um, now, a little rule about, and sometimes we get the question, okay, well, Mark, I turned 70 and a half in August. So does that mean I can't take my first required minimum until August? No. The rule is you it's the calendar year you attain age 70 and a half. So if you attain age 70 and a half in 2019, in August, you can take your first required minimum distribution start as soon as January. Mm-hmm. And it'll count for the, that year, right? Um, now, um, so the question is, well, what do I do? Do I wait till April 1st and do two in that year? Or do I do one the first year and one the second year? Okay. Um, well, you know, it depends. This is where you don't ask your neighbor what mm-hmm. they did. You know, or, or you don't ask your coworker if you're still working, um, or you're, if you're getting together with the retirees. Okay. You have to kind of decide what's, what makes sense for you. Um, but here's, you know, and again, and we've had clients who do different things depending on what's happening in their tax lives over those two years. In other words, if let's say you have a life changing event going on, let's say in the first year, you're one of you are still working and has earned income that's taking up room on your tax return. But in the second year, you're both going to be retired. That may be a reason to not take it the first year and take it the sec to the second year. Um, it could be, let's say, you know, we had some clients carry this year that got surprised on how much realized capital gains came in. So they're saying, Hey, I might not, I don't want to take the required minimum because I'm already loaded up on capital gains this year. I'll wait. And I don't think my capital gains are going to be as high next year. Okay. Um, but if you're not sure, right, well then get, get, this is what we talk about coordination of advisors. Because maybe what you want to do is get your advisors together and, and brainstorm. You know, maybe it's their tax person and say, hey, throw me a bone. Can you, can you run me a little two year analysis? You know, case one, I'm going to do my first distribution in year one and my second distribution in year two. In case two, I'm not going to do any in year one and two in year two and then do a pro forma, add the cumulative law of income taxes over both those cases. And I'm going to choose the one that calls me less taxes. Makes sense. One possible way you could look at it, all right? Um, so you can kind of go from there. Now, the reason why you don't want to miss it, right, is because there's a 50% penalty if you miss it. That's steep. That's 50% on the amount that you should have taken. Um, and for somebody who has company plans that are large and they saved and they were big savers, that could be a huge hit. Now we have a lot, you know, and so now if, if you find yourself in that circumstance that you've realized you've missed, don't panic. Okay. The quicker you get to it, the better. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, coordinate with advisors, talk to the IRA custodian, talk to your tax person, talk to your financial planner. All right. Um, and then what you'll probably wind up doing is filing a form 5329. That's the IRS form for additional taxes on qualified plan, including IRAs. Okay. And you want to request a waiver from the 50% excise tax. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the, the, what happened was so many baby boomers. See, remember what happened was the oldest baby boomers just a couple of years ago started turning 70 and a half. So that's why there's so many more people dealing with this. And, 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 and with I, only a small percentage knowing that they have to take it. Right. So right now we're saying, you know, 10,000 baby boomers today are turning 70 and a half and it's going to be that way for 19 straight years. Well, I guess that's why, but I don't think you can use that form for repeated penalties. Well, I, I it's between you and the IRS, <laughs> right. Carrie. I Good mean, luck with that. um, you know, but, but the idea 
is and and and, and you and, and again you you know but the, so the IRS had to give some relief because so many baby boomers were missing it. So I'm not saying you're going to get relief, but it never hurts to ask. Right, and some things we're going to talk about that you can't commingle your spouse. If your spouse has IRAs and you have an IRA, you can't commingle those. You can't commingle an IRA and a company plan distribution. So there's a lot of rules that we're going to talk about at the January classes. Um, now, a lot of people say, well, Mark, how do I calculate it, right? What's well, based on a life table, right? Now, there are three life tables that you may have to deal with in your lifetime, Carrie. Okay. okay? One is what most people are going to use for your own IRA. That's the uniform life table. Okay. Um, another one could be the joint life table. Another one could be the single life table. All right. So those are the three tables. You can find them on irs.gov, right? Um, now the uniform life table that came in in the early 2000s. I think maybe 2001, maybe, you know, before then there were a bunch of different tables you could use. That was so confusing. They ripped that out and said, no, everybody uses the uniform life table. Okay. And the uniform life table just basically calculates the joint life expectancy of a 70 year old and a phantom second person 10 years younger. Okay. Now, Carrie, why? Don't ask. It's the law. <laughs> All right. Um, now, um, now you use that. Thing, but there's an exception is if you're married and your spouse is more than 10 years younger than you. OK. If that is the case, you can actually use the joint life table, which actually calculates the joint life table for each of you. Okay. OK. Now, that could be beneficial for you in that circumstance, because right now, if you look at the, the uniform life table, the first year's divisor is twenty seven point four. And that's roughly about 3.65% okay. if you're doing it in the math. So if you got a, you know, a million dollar IRA, cause remember we're all supposed to retire with a million dollars, right? Right. So if you have a million dollar IRA divided by 27.4, that's 36,496 or about 3.649%. Boom. There it is. But let's say your wife or your husband was actually a bit younger. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're 70 and your spouse is only 55. Okay. Then you could use the joint table. That divisor is 31.1 or only about 3.22%. Okay. So, you know, that so it could know. help you out. Um, so that's a favorable thing. Now, the single life table, that is used if you inherit an IRA. Okay. So if you're a beneficiary IRA, remember, a spouse is the only one that can do the rollover thing. Right. So if you're a non-spouse beneficiary of an IRA, you can't roll it over to your own. Um, you, you know, it becomes it, it, it becomes the, the, the benefit. It becomes the IRA of the deceased and you the beneficiary of that IRA. Now, if that's done right, you know, and, it, and it's left to you as an individual, you can use your single life table. Because remember, in that circumstance, a non-spouse beneficiary has to begin required minimum distributions within a year after the death. In other right. words, you cannot defer that until you're 70 and a half. So those are just some of the rules. And why people get confused. We've got many, many more. Come to the class. We'll go over the tables. We go over the, you know, a lot of people say, well, Mark, I, I don't need my RMD, you know, because, you know, I don't need to buy a car and I'm not, I don't want to go to Hawaii and, and I've done all of my fixing up my house and, you know, I, I've done nothing left to do there. And my, my kids don't need any, any, they don't have any financial problems. And my grandkids, they're all getting full scholarships for college. So they're not going to need any student loans or anything. They're not going to help with college. And, and I'm not planning and I'm not expecting any emergencies. Right. So I don't need my RMD. So can I just convert it to Roth? No, you cannot convert your minimum required distribution to a Roth.
You can convert above your minimum required distribution to a Roth. And that's also a good reason why, even if you don't need it, you don't want to wait always till minimum required distribution. On our previous podcast, which you can check out at whkradio.com, We've talked a lot on December shows about cases where people didn't think they needed to take money out, but they could take money out of their IRA and use either a very favorable tax bracket and a couple of cases max out their zero bracket. Um, so take advantage of the opportunities that exist. Um, come in for a free consultation. Start the new year off. Resolve to have a financial plan, especially if you're uncertain about the financial future and just want clarity of what you can and can't do, what's realistic, and use the opportunities in the complicated tax code to your end. Get the most net benefit from any financial choice that you're faced with. And you can call for a free consultation or come out to our January classes at 440 239 2090 that's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com i think this is my favorite version this of course is the bing yeah um and people could sing then like i'm not saying people aren't good singers now but with auto-tune when you hear people live like at that generation people who say i mean could sing now how did bing crosby come on the scene carrie well it's interesting because Bing Crosby, Irvin Berlin wanted Bing Crosby. As a matter of fact, he wasn't going to sign the movie deal for Holly Inn unless Bing was the lead singer. Because what happened was Bing had a one of the his managers had Bing Crosby record a couple of Christmas carols a few years before Irvin Berlin. And Bing didn't want to do it. Okay. Um, in other words, Bing used to say, you know, his manager wouldn't let him get typed. You know, he sang, you know, he, he said, I sang hillbillies and blues and ballads and, and traditional songs and patriotic songs and light opera. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the manager came out of blue and said, you know, Bing, I want you to record some Christmas carols. Well, like, come all you favor, you know, silent night and stuff like that. And Bing thought, you're crazy. Because right. at that time, it wasn't pop, Carrie. You know, it right. wasn't the idea today. Um, he did it. It was a huge success. Berlin said, I want Bing singing my white Christmas. Because he was, Bing was becoming like the poster child for the, for the middle class American dad. Okay. Everyone wanted to be like Bing. Right. With the pipe and the good looks and, and mm-hmm. that's what Berlin wanted to be. All right. Have a very Merry Christmas. Happy New Year and enjoy the holidays. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.